Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Friday edition of Talking Sports with Evan. Thank you so much for those that are tuning in, those that are watching on uh, on X or Twitter, Facebook, whichever, YouTube. Comment and let me know where you are watching from. I appreciate it. Uh, kind of a frustrating week in Packerland as we are now getting ready to have the Packers take on the Carolina Panthers, which I will discuss momentarily, but it's been quite the frustrating week in regards to the Packers and the fact that they got completely, the defense got completely shredded by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, It's not the first time this season that they've been shredded. They've won games when they've been completely manhandled. But this game, they did not win, and they lose to Tampa Bay 34-20. to And Baker Mayfield did something no opposing quarterback in the history of Lambeau Field has ever done, and that is have a perfect quarterback rating. Perfect quarterback rating thrown upon the Packers for the first time at Lambeau Field for an opposing team. So I'm going to talk to you about that particular game. Going to give my thoughts... (laughs) Sorry about that. Kind of give my thoughts on Joe Barry and if I feel it's a a good idea to keep him around for the remainder of the season. Also going to talk some NFL MVP race and some awards in general on people who uh, may or may not be getting some awards this season. MVP who I think should win and I think they should just rename the MVP award to the most outstanding quarterback because it seems like no matter what guilt position guys are doing, like Tyree Kilt, for example, having a great season, he's not going to get the MVP because he's not a quarterback. And I, I think he should get consideration for MVP, which I will go into momentarily. But with that said, I'm also going to be talking some Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Bucks are on a roll, offensively especially, and defensively, to me, they're starting to be on a bit of a roll as well. And I'm going to talk some Milwaukee Bucks and uh, some Brewers who uh, traded away Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor so for basically a salary dump. And then you see other teams who are making uh, huge free agent signings. And it makes it be, makes being a Brewer fan or a small market fan in general, to me, kind of a little frustrating here. And before I jump into some Packer and Buccaneers, before they close the door there, you see the shirt I am wearing. It's a shirt. You look at the bottom of my screen, the scroll. Um, that is where you can get this shirt. He is the creator of my logo as well. But... He does great shirt designs. They fit well, extremely comfortable, and has a lot of different options for uh, Green Bay stuff, as well as if you're a San Antonio fan or whatever. Or if you need your uh, logo done, great place to go is the uh, scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Great place to go for your logos, for your designs, and for your merchandise. But going to start with Packer Buccaneers. And it was an ugly game defensively for Green Bay. Offensively, I the biggest issue I had, well, there's two big issues I had offensively for Green Bay. The one is not scoring enough, especially in the red zone. 
they they got to capitalize when they have the ball in the red zone. They they just have to. You have to capitalize there. You, you're a team that can't afford mistakes. And you granted they got the ball back thanks to a strip sack, but you you have to take advantage when you had the ball in the red zone in the first drive of the game for the Packers. They got the ball all the way deep into the red zone, and then they failed to convert on fourth down. Gave the ball back to Tampa Bay. Like I said, they got the ball back and they scored. But that's besides the point. you got to score points. The points are going to come. I understand that. But you got to punch it in. And the other issue I had was the ground game. Aaron Jones had 53 yards on 13 carries. A 4.1 yard per carry. And a lot of those were on the opening drive of the game. And then they didn't use him really at all the rest of the game. And I get it's Aaron Jones first game back from injury. You kind of want to not overuse him, but you have Patrick Taylor, one carry for six yards, and you had Drake, one carry for zero yards, which he somehow prevented fumbling the ball. He there was an issue between the quarterback and uh, running back exchange, and he did not somehow did not fumble the football. Credit to to uh to Drake there, but you you got to run the ball a little bit better. And the game was close for the most part the entire way. I know the score doesn't show that, but the game went into halftime, and it was thirteen ten Tampa Bay. It it wasn't like you were being blown out. You you had chances to get back into the game and stay in the game, and you didn't run the ball. You got away from running the football, and you put you for, had Jordan Love have to throw the ball 39 times. Now, Jordan Love looked really good. I, I like what Jordan Love did. I think Jordan Love is the long-term answer at quarterback for Green Bay. He he shows poise. He shows – he doesn't seem to get rattled when he's under duress or he makes a mistake. He recovers from it and doesn't seem to make that same mistake again. I think he has good arm uh, strength, good arm angles. Some of the accuracy, especially the deep ball, sometimes leaves some to be desired. But I think Jordan Love is shown this season that he is a long-term solution at quarterback for Green Bay. Now you just have to make sure the people around him are what you need in order to take that next step. And the Packers offense has a really good nucleus of young players. But, like I said, you have to run the football bit more efficient, efficiently. Jones is averaging 4.1 yards per carry, and Taylor's one run went for six yards. So, after that, you didn't really run the ball much at all. You had two carries for Jordan Love and one carry for Drake. Got to run the ball better. That was one big issue I had with the Packer offense, aside with the uh, inability at times to score in the red zone. And... Positives in this game, Dontravian Wick, six catches for 97 yards, 16.2 yards per, per per reception. He just always finds ways to get open. He's always, he, he runs, to me, very good routes. He's got very good hands. And he just always finds ways to, to get open. And Jordan Love knows how to find him. He knows where to be. When, especially in situations where Love is in, under a little bit of duress and has to get the ball out. 
I'm not saying he's Devontae Adams, but he reminds me with his footwork in and out of in and out of his breaks. He reminds me a lot of Devontae Adams. He's got some Devontae Adams in him, similar size. And I'm not saying he's going to be Devontae Adams, but that's who he reminds me of. And if he can be even half of what Devontae Adams was, that's a great find by the general manager, Brian Gutenkoost. Tucker Craft is another one that's really been quite the surprise recently. And with Luke Musgrave uh, coming back potentially this season and the long term at the tight end position is in good health. Wide receiver. With Wicks and Reed and Dobbs, you have three very good receivers that give you many different things. Dobbs is like a James Jones type. Uh, get, you you go to in clutch situations, has strong hands, can go and get the football, and he's a guy Jordan Love can, uh, you know, obviously always look for in the red zone. Jaden Reed has been. A godsend to this offense, great slot receiver. He's everything you wanted Randall Cobb to be. Unfortunately, Cobb had some injury issues when Cobb was uh, completely healthy. Jaden Reed is what you wanted Cobb to be if Cobb could stay completely healthy. And with Wicks, you have a guy that can get open and make plays and get yards after the catch. And if Christian Watson can stay healthy, he's your number one guy, and he's the one that can take the top off the defense and can make some big plays. So positive things that came out of the Tampa Bay game, the performance of the offense. But defensively, woof. It was bad. It it was really bad. And credit to Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay exploited the fact that the Packers don't adjust defensively in the secondary very often at all. There were numerous times in this game, numerous times, that you had Mike Evans, who is one of the top receivers in the NFL, very doesn't get the accolades that other receivers get, but he's matched one-on-one on Devondre Campbell or Quay Walker. or And then you got Owens or Rudy Ford. They're exploiting that mismatch left and right as well with Godwin. You're putting Godwin on guys like Walker or Campbell, and you're just exploiting it. And the Packers don't do anything to make any kind of adjustments to put a stop to it. And Baker just kept exploiting it and exploiting it and exploiting it. And that's why he had a perfect quarterback rating at Lambeau Field the first time ever happened to an opposing uh, to an opposing quarterback visiting Lambeau. And it's the second week in a row the Packers were a part of a first time ever. The week before, the Giants quarterback was the first quarterback to, since quarterback stats were take, uh, compiled, to pass for 80% completion rate and 70 yards rushing in NFL history. And now Baker Mayfield is the first quarterback to have a perfect quarterback rating as an opposing quarterback in Lambeau and ended the day with 381 yards and four touchdowns. And they had no answer to Godwin. Mike Evans made them look silly. White made them look silly. They did a decent job stopping the run, but they, they could not stop any passes in the middle of the field. And that's really where Tampa Bay was going. And they, like I said, they did a good job finding the mismatch because the Packers didn't adjust and they just kept 
going after it repeatedly, and the Packers fail to do anything. And Matt LaFleur put the blame on communication amongst the coaches and the players on the field. Communication was not what it needed to be, and that needs to be fixed. And I guess this is a perfect segue to my Joe Barry thoughts. This is Joe Barry's third year. The defense has not really shown any improvement, and guys on the defense have not really shown any improvement either. You know, Rashawn Gary, kind of quiet last week, been kind of quiet the past couple weeks, but he's really the only guy you can point to and say he has been an ascending player, and if it wasn't for an ACL tear last year, he probably gets double-digit sacks. Jair Alexander, when healthy, is one of the better corners in the NFL, although he's been a bit rough this season and last year was up and down for him. But there's really not been any improvement anywhere on this Packer defense with Joe Barry there, and we always hear about the same issues week after week. Communication, breakdown here, breakdown there, got out coach. It's time for Matt LaFleur to look himself in the mirror and say, I created this, I need to fix it. And he he had a chance to fix it after the Tampa Bay game. He had a chance to relieve Joe Barry of his duties after the Tampa Bay game and say, this is not okay anymore. He's being relieved of his play calling duties and I'm going to have somebody else on my staff call the place. And I get that you don't have anybody who has any experience calling a defense currently on your staff. And that's a tough situation to put anybody in, especially when you do still have a chance at the playoffs. But I think Joe Barry's lost the defense. They're not listening to him. The position coaches aren't getting through. Joe Barry's not getting through. I I think it's time to make that change. And you could have done what the Eagles did, just have a different play caller, but keep Joe Barry on staff the rest of the season, just give the play calling duties to somebody else. Or you could have just got rid of Joe Barry altogether. But now you're leaving Joe Barry as the play caller, as a defensive coordinator for these last three weeks of the season. It's kind of concerning what message you're sending. I, I get what Matt LaFleur was saying, but at the same time, the locker room is watching. He's clearly not getting through and you're keeping him around. That's sending a bad message to your locker room. And it might be an interesting last three weeks. And anybody that knows me, I like Matt LaFleur. I think he's a fine coach. I think he has done a great job with this offense this season, figuring out what's been working and what hasn't been working and tutoring Jordan Love along with Tom Clements, but tutoring Jordan Love and putting Jordan Love in situations where he's comfortable. Matt LaFleur has done a good job with that. However, whatever happens these last three weeks with the defense, it is on Matt LaFleur. Whatever happens these last three weeks, it it is on him. It is on him that if the defense completely uh, continues to sputter and blow tires and just get completely destroyed, and now you've got a rookie quarterback who's been struggling, who's looking to get right, get a a get-right game, if Bryce Young has that get-right game, 
if the Vikings on their fourth or fifth or 12th quarterback of the season punches you in the mouth, and if the Bears, who offense is god-awful, is able to punch you in the mouth, that's all I'm at LaFleur now. We know what we know what Joe Barry is. We knew what Joe Barry was when he got hired. It's all on Matt LaFleur. Whatever happens here on out, it's on him. And if he's not willing or able to make that change, I wouldn't be too upset if he got shown the door at this point. I get Barry has this is likely the last year of his contract, and he's probably not coming back anyway. But I guess the doomsday scenario is the defense does just good enough over this last three seasons that Matt LaFleur decides not to make a change. That that has ran through my mind. That does terrify me. That does worry me. I hope it does not become reality, but it has crossed my mind. And I would be quite sad if it were to actually happen. But if it doesn't happen, so it's easy to call for a coach to be done. It's easy to call for a, a head coach to uh, lose his, uh, or uh, not coach in this case, a coordinator to lose his job. It, it's easy to do that. The hard part is, and I know it's not our job to come up with alternatives or possible solutions to the position. And there's two articles I want to call out. Bill Huber does a great job covering the Packers. I like Bill Huber. He works with Sports Illustrated, covering the Packers, writes great articles, very insightful, very detailed. He named 13 potential candidates for the Packers' defensive coordinator job if, in fact, Joe Barry gets shown the door. Other article I really like, um, and he's a – I can't pronounce his last name. I don't want to – Butcher it too bad. But if you go to acmepackingcompany.com, there's an article where he mentioned 17 coaches uh, who interviewed for defense coordinator positions who are available for the 2024 cycle who could be potential options for the Packers' uh, defensive coordinator spot. I think they did great work uh, putting these articles together. A couple of names that they did mention, a Doug Belk. He's a defensive backs coach at USC. He's been with West Virginia, Houston, um, Houston, and more Houston. And he interviewed for the Chargers job in 2023. Dave Borgonzi, linebackers coach for the Bears. He's been the linebackers coach for the Colts in the past. Anthony Campanelli, current Dolphins linebackers coach. And the thing is, if you bring in Campanelli, you're not going to have to really adapt the scheme too much because he has worked with, he's been, he's been working with Vic Fangio this season and that's the defense the Packers are trying to run. DeMarcus Covington, Patriots defensive line coach, old friend, uh, Jerry Gray. He is an assistant head coach for the defense for the Atlanta Falcons. He former Packer defensive backs coach who could always come and, call the defense. Chris Harris, defensive passing game coordinator for the Titans. He interviewed for Houston and San Francisco last year. Al Holcomb, senior defensive assistant for the Bills. Jim Leonard, we all know Jim Leonard's uh, pedigree. 
He was a Wisconsin Badgers defensive backs coach and defensive coordinator and interim head coach during his time. He is a consultant with the Illinois Illini this season. He interviewed and then turned down the position when Mike Pettin got let go. He he was offered the job, and then he decided not to take it, stay at Wisconsin. His name could pop back up. Uh, former Packers safety, uh, Mark Manuel, he uh, played for the Packers back in the late 2000s, 2006, for example. Uh, he is a safeties coach for the Jets. Jesse Minter, current, current defensive coordinator for the Mich- Michigan Wolverines. And he is definitely a guy I would be interested in. He took over for the current Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. He made that jump. It'll be a risk taking a college coordinator who doesn't have a lot of NFL experience. He was the Ravens defensive backs coach in 2020. He did interview for the Eagles job. It would be a risk to bring him in, but the Ravens have seemed to continue to do well with a college coordinator. Uh, he spent one year coordinating the Michigan defense and then went to the NFL. Maybe, uh, maybe mentor is the next guy to do it. Christian Parker, young guy. He's the defensive back coach for the Broncos, just 31. Matt Patricia is a name they threw out. He's a name I wouldn't prefer. Um, and just for fun, I'm guessing just for fun, he threw in Mike Pettin. He's a current ass- assistant head coach for the Vikings. He lost the locker room in 2020. I don't really want him back. Chris Richard, currently not working in the NFL, but he was a hot name not that long ago. He's coached in Seattle. He's coached in Dallas, coached in New Orleans. Again, he was a hot name not that long ago as the next great coordinator. Didn't really, he was co-defensive coordinator in New Orleans, but being a uh, full-time defensive coordinator didn't quite work out for him, uh, didn't quite happen for him, but he's still young and he's a guy that could get some consideration. Well, correction, he was a Seahawks defensive coordinator for a minute before going to the Cowboys. And you got Rex Ryan. His name always seems to get thrown around. I don't know if I really want Rex Ryan. He hasn't coached in the NFL since 2016. And I know I prefer, I would I would like I put on Twitter earlier this week. I would like somebody in the Ravens system to be the coach to run the defense. He was the Ravens defensive coordinator before, um, but. I don't know if I want him. Glenn Schumann, George's uh, co-defensive coordinator inside linebackers coach since 2019. Chris Shula, he's the pass game coordinator inside linebackers coach for the Rams uh, this season. Those are names that Acme Packing Company had, and some of these same names were who Bill Bill, uh, Huber had as possible candidates. It's, and then he had a few more. Ajayo Avaro, current defense coordinator for the Panthers. He's likely looking for a new job next year because the Panthers are going to hire a new coach. He could get the job, but there's the possibility. Um, there's the possibility that he could get the head job, but he could be looking for a new position too in Carolina. Mentioned Jim Leonard already. Don Wink Martindale. 
He's the current Giants defensive coordinator, and I know the defense hasn't been that good in New York this year. However, he's he's been successful before, and apparently him and the head coach have been butting heads, rumored hazard this season. So maybe he his name becomes an open. Uh, Joe Witt, secondary defensive passing game coordinator for Dallas. He uh, spent a decade in Green Bay with the Packers in the defensive backfield coaching there. Al Harris is a hot name, former Packer defensive back, currently defensive back coach for the Cowboys. Again, hiring him, you're hiring someone who does not have any coordinator experience whatsoever, also hasn't been coaching for very long. So is he ready for that jump? Daniel Bullock, defensive back coach for the 49ers. I wouldn't mind getting somebody from the 49ers defensive system either. The defense for the Niners has been very good. I wouldn't mind getting somebody from that system. Kevin Shepard, linebacker's coach from Detroit. Antonio Pierce, interim head coach for the Raiders. Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator for the Raiders. Are all names that Bill Huber mentioned to go along with some some carryovers from the article that I just mentioned. But either way, Packers need a new coordinator. They also need a new philosophy on defense. Mike Daniels was on Wildean Tausch a, on ESPN Wisconsin earlier this week. He was on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, kind of questioning the Packers' uh, approach to defense. And I think they definitely have to approach. And my issue with the Packers' defense, for the most part, is the fact that they, they're not aggressive. They're not aggressive. They... It's all about keeping you out of the end zone, which I know is extremely important. Got to keep guys out of the end zone. I get that. That's extremely important piece. But they, they, they don't play with any intensity. They don't play with any aggression. They don't play with any passion. And to me, those are all areas where, as a defense, you have to play with. You have to have an attitude on defense. You have to have a, I'm going to punch you in the mouth type attitude, in my opinion, on defense. The Packers' last great defense was in 2010, the last year they won the Super Bowl. Not a coincidence. And you had an aggressive defense. You had Nick Barnett, Desmond Bishop, A.J. Hawk, Colin Jenkins, B.J. Raji, Ryan Pickett, Woodson, Williams, Shields, Nick Collins. You had guys who played with an attitude especially Colin Jenkins. He played with a huge attitude. But the Packers have kind of gone away from that as they want a defense that's going to prevent big plays, get after the quarterback, and keep te- try to keep teams out of the end zone because their offense is going to score so many points, we have to worry about stopping the pass. Well, let's get a defense with an attitude, and that's why I want to go with the Ravens. That's why I want to go with the 49ers because they play defense with an attitude. They play with a chip on their shoulder. They attack you. They don't wait for you to see what you're doing and then try to make a tackle. They attack you. And I think there is enough talent on this Packer defense that a, a more aggressive approach to defense would be much better for the Packers. I think Quay Walker would benefit from a different coordinator. 
I think Rashawn Gary would benefit from a different coordinator. I think Devondre Campbell would benefit from a different coordinator. I think the guys like Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes would benefit from a different coordinator, play a more man, attacking man defense, more variations in coverages, and let's get after that quarterback. Send more blitzes, send more stunts, send more twists. Let's force the offense to adapt to what you're doing rather than adapting to what the offense is doing. The defense has to set the tone, and the only tone Joe Barry and the defense sets right now is let's not get anything behind us. Let's play off the line of scrimmage. Let's uh, wait to see what happens. And now you're you're playing 10, 12 yards off the football. Safeties are playing 15, 20 yards back on third and shorter situations. And you're you're getting it that you have linebackers covering top receivers in the NFL. Not good enough. It's not good enough. And I'm tired of watching the defense play soft. And it's not just the Matt LaFleur thing. The 2011 regular season up until Mike Pettin's first year, because Mike Pettin's first year, the defense played with some aggression and then they got soft again. But for the last decade, pretty much, the Packers defense has been playing soft and I'm tired of it. Yes, they need some personnel changes like the safety position, for example. Packers probably have the worst safety room in the NFL. But again, I think a uh, the correct coordinator for this Packer defense will do wonders for the talent the Packers have on the field. And it's also time to bring in a new defensive coaching staff, too. The guys you have are not getting through. So I'm on Twitter at Evan with sports. You can find talking sports with Evan on Facebook, talking sports with Evan, or you can find me on YouTube. Look for Evan with Allison and watch the show live, watch it after it airs, or you can listen to the podcast anywhere. Podcasts are found. I'll be posting that shortly after I get done talking with you. You can comment on Twitter. What are your thoughts? Who would you like to see as the Packers' next defensive coordinator? Go ahead. If you're watching live, you can comment. Let me know who you want to see be the Packers' next defensive coordinator. If you run across this video later on on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, um, comment on my post and let me know who you want to see be the Packers' next defensive coordinator. You can also, again, Comment on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan, and let me know who you would like to see as the Packers' next defensive coordinator. Season's not over. Still three games to go. One coming up against the Carolina Panthers, who not very good. I think they're up to two wins on the season. Probably should have checked that before I started the show. But I believe, yep, 2-12 and 12 on the season. And not very good. Bryce Young has had a very difficult transition to the NFL. He's got 2,300 yards passing, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions, completing just 59% of his throws. The problem the Packers are going to have is stopping Chubba Hubbard, D 
defense uh, running back. I mean, for the uh, Carolina, who uh, has been vi- who who can run the ball very well, very tough back to, uh, to tackle. And Miles Sanders hasn't really transitioned, uh, given the Panthers what they were expecting, signing him out of Philadelphia. But he can be a big play threat in the passing game or running game. And then you got Adam Thielen, who the Packers know really well from his days in Minnesota. And Jonathan Mingo, who has been coming on as of late, uh, along a of 40 on the season. He's a he's another player that could give the Packers some issues on the defensive side. On the Packers with the ball, guys who can give the Packers, I mean the Pack, yeah, guys who can give the Packers some issues is clearly uh, Burns, one of their defensive linemen. He uh, linebacker, defensive lineman, edge rusher. He's a guy that can give the Packers a lot of fits. It's going to be a tough day for. It's going to be a very tough day for Zach Tom, who the 11th ranked offensive tackle, Curtis, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he's going to have his hands full with Burns. Burns is a really good edge guy who can get, it, as I mentioned, can get pressure on the quarterback. He's had a a decent season this year, but he's a guy who can can make things difficult for an opposing offense. And then you also got Brown, their big defensive tackle, uh, Derek Brown, 6'5", 320. He's a handful. So John Runyon and uh, Josh Myers are definitely going to have their hands full with him. The defense is good in Carolina. They, 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 rankings-wise, they give up points. But that's also because the offense through turnovers have put them in difficult situations throughout the season. But overall, the defense doesn't give up a lot of big plays. One of the big key to uh, one of the big keys to the Packers is going to be protecting the football and forcing turnovers. The Packers should beat Carolina. There's no doubt about it. Carolina is just not a good team. But at the same time, how good are the Packers really? They should be the two and twelve team. But after what I've seen the last two weeks. I'm I'm a, a little nervous on what I'm going to see. McDuffie will be starting at linebacker as Campbell is out with an injury. Alexander is questionable. Not going to hold my breath if he's going to play or not. Christian Watson is doubtful. Musgrave is clearly out as he's coming back from a kidney issue. But I think the Packers should win. I think they I think they get the victory. I think it's going to be a convincing victory. I think they finally break 30 points scoring. I think they win 31 to uh, 13. Carolina's offense just is not good enough. And I think the defense forces some turnovers. And I think they get a score on a turnover as well. So that's my thought there. Milwaukee Bucks, switching gears, switching sports. I know I said I was going to talk to MVP, but I've been at it for 35 minutes now. I don't want to go much longer because I don't want to drive you all away. Um, I've, I've noticed that 30 minutes or less is usually better, and I'm already over that. But the Milwaukee Bucks now sit at 22-7, and seven, beat the Magic last night, 118-114. to 114. They are playing significantly better basketball. And I got my phone out because I need to pull up a stat that I uh, found earlier today. Um, just got to find it. For those, the Bucks defense is awful, people. All Bucks lineups 
And this is thanks to Ty Windish on Twitter. All Bucks lineups featuring Giannis, Damian Lillard, and Chris Middleton have a plus 18.4 net rating on the season. Those groups' offensive rating of 125.9 would be first in the league, and their defensive rating of 107.5 would be as well. When you add Brooke Lopez to the mix, as somebody asked him, what if you add Brooke to the list? 125.7 offensive rating and a 106.9 defensive rating, a plus 18.8 net rating. So I've mentioned that for the Bucks, it's not a it's more about consistency with this defense. I think in the last 10 days, they're top 10 in the NBA defensively. I think that's the stat that I saw. When they want to play defense, they play defense well. Then they get complacent, and then you have the Spurs have a 30-point fourth quarter on you, or the Magic make a game tighter than it needs to. But you got two games coming up with the Knicks, one tomorrow, an afternoon matinee in New York, and then on Monday, on Christmas Day, another 11 o'clock Central Time start, again against the New York Knicks. So I'm going to end it there. I'm going to talk baseball next week. I will have a show on Tuesday. I will talk specifically Milwaukee Brewers and hopefully recapping a Green Bay Packer victory over the Panthers. With that said, thank you so much for those watching the show live. I appreciate it. I will get back at you on Tuesday. Have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Enjoy celebrating whatever it is you celebrate this time of year. With that said, again, have a great and safe holidays. I'll get back at you on Tuesday, and I will talk to you later.